and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the past 10 years. I'm your host, Jack Draper, and with me is my co-host, who is a uh, writer, doctor, nuclear physicist, the- theoretical philosopher, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. a man, is Chloe Williams. Mm-hmm. Yep, all of those are true. Um, I have, as being a philosopher, you know, as a, you know, a nuclear physicist, I have to ask the important, yeah. important questions here. Um, how do you think he got people to call him the master? Like, what, what's that conversation? Hey, you know, we've known each other for like a week or so. What if you just called me the master? Huh? Mm-hmm. What do you just call me master? Would that be cool? Like, how do you like bring that up? How do you start that? I think sincerely, he born, he's yeah. just from the jump. Oh like, yes, yeah. Like, like the, the mother came out of the womb, please. master. Yeah. Okay, and of course, that's we, good. we learn uh, beginning in the movie, like this is uh, Peggy is not his first wife, so I'm sure like his other like, women. So did they call? Did they call him master? How yeah. long has he been been calling himself master? I think and it just feels like it's something someone has to call you. Not you can't don that yourself. I think sincerely, it's something that Peggy thought of, right? Where it's it's like mm. put this in your in in uh in the book and and people will look at you as as an authority uh figure just by donning a name and a mask and yeah it's, talk about relationship yeah. goals what if your significant <laughs> other was like what if you just went by the master from now on like i guess so all right that Honestly, sounds that's pretty cool there's a lot more lame stuff that you could be called i bet it's true yeah i don't know about you i'd be i would not stay in that relationship i couldn't yeah. i couldn't handle no, that that's, no. a... <laughs> that's a lot you of expectations don't... you guys that's don't a lot think of that lancaster and peggy are like perfectly healthy and you know thriving the... yeah it's and, there's no so... weird power dynamics in that relationship right. that are very yeah. murky and aren't really clear and there's total set boundaries that yeah, they have exactly, with each other exactly. that are completely healthy like you know very i normal. think it's a great relationship very chill. It's not like Jimmy and Claudia and Magnolia, you know. It's, it's, it's not like one person gives a hand job to another person to to convince them to do something. It's like totally like a regular relationship. I love it. I love it. I love this movie. God. I, I love that we're doing it. Um, Jenna Klozowski is here. Hello. How are you? From the spool. I'm good. Hi. Yeah. Thank you guys so yeah. much for having me on. It's great of to course. talk to you yeah. guys about yeah. this really wonderful movie. <laughs> Yeah. Now, do you deal. want us um, to call you the master? Like, we just want to, like, we just want to make sure. Do you want us to call you master? I, like, just want to. I, I, oh my God. Like, I don't know if I can do the rest of this podcast if you even do it as a bit. Like, I don't. Yeah, think okay. It. That's fair. That's fair. I understand. I understand. I agree with that point, master. Thank you. Um, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, no, no, no. We got to. No. <laughs> shutting it down. When would you like to start the informal processing is really what we should be getting oh, at right boy. now. <laughs> I thought about doing that as a bit, but I couldn't do it. Like, I, it's just, it's so. There's so much to it. But yeah. Can you do yeah. it over Zoom? Is the other thing. Like, can you, can you... No. Oh God. <laughs> There's got to be a Scientologist who's tried. Say your right? name. Like... What you <laughs> like? It's like say your name. You lied out right there. Can you repeat what you said? Say 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 your name. Your name's Lan- Lancaster. What? Yeah. My I'm name. Your video. I need you to turn that on so I can see the <laughs> link. Like. Yeah. Can everyone turn on video right now? Yeah. Gosh. Oh yeah, what if like yeah, what if it was like like you know in those Zoom now like people are doing Zoom classes nowadays and everyone's complaining about how like no what no all the students have their video off and the teacher is the only one who's just kind of talking to to avoid. What if you're doing informal processing and you both have your vid- like video off? That'd be so like. So you want to say your name? Say say, yeah. say, say, say your name. Just like aw- just like pure awkwardness. Huh. Yeah, that's so good. Um. 
Jonah, can you think of when the first time you got into movies are? I like knew if there's you guys were going to ask me this question, and I a film that got you into film about this answer. Yeah. So I, uh, I really think you looked at the menu before me. you came at the restaurant. I love it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think the turning point for me is something that I might find a little bit embarrassing, but I really think for me it was uh, Inception in 2010. Uh, I saw that movie when I was like 11 or 12, and I just. Uh, I just loved it, and I was so, like... How old are you again? Are you our age? Yeah. We're both 21. Yeah, I'm about to be 23, so... Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I just remember feeling, like, so entertained, but also, like, so engaged, and, um, like, like I felt like I was thinking, and also, like, uh, like, just, like, passively enjoying, like, at the same time, and... That's that. I feel like I've kind of been chasing that high ever since. Like I feel like mm. that. Like I've been looking for movies that make me feel like that in the same way, and I I kind of feel like The Master is one of them. Mm. Yeah. I have a question for you guys. What is what is the deal with this title? What is what is exiting <laughs> through the twenty ten? <laughs> we have never been asked that before. Actually, that's crazy. Just... No one's actually asked us this question. Wow. <laughs> Throwing it right back at us. I love it. Um. um... Yeah, you, you go ahead. You were the one who came up with it. I didn't come up with it. You were the one who wow. came up with it. You yeah. agreed to it, so I guess... I did agree to it. That's fair. <laughs> I knew that we wanted to, to cover the entirety of the decade because, be, yes, the decade is so big, but I think that we've done, like, 80-something episodes at this point, and throughout those, it seemed like everybody has, like, a pretty definitive answer. And there's been millions of movies that come out this stuff obviously and there's oh you like you immediately went to the master for example without like other options with us and so it's like because you went to like what like people sometimes bring us five or six you know and mm. because you have like a very short list you're like you know throughout the past 10 years these have really stuck with me and and of course because clan and i are, um really just remember this decade like with movie going and with our lives, I think. So it's become easier to talk about when we were there on some of these occasions. Um, and the title really comes from the Pinksy documentary because I was trying to fit in 2010s into something and I couldn't figure out where it would work. And maybe if I thought about it longer, I would think of something better. But this is. Oh, no, I love the where, title. This is something where I landed on because. Um, when the pod started in October of 2019, I, we were leaving the decade quite literally. And I thought that it was pretty significant because I had never left. I, I didn't remember <laughs> December, 2009, you know? So I didn't, yeah. I, I thought it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Um, to feel like, wow, I, I sort of semi remember so many definitive bookmarks of the decade. And, um, and now that we get to talk about it. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a form of nostalgia that maybe not everybody would have because it's so recent, so but also recent, you kind yeah. of look at it um, with a little more clarity because it also is so recent. Right. So it's like 2019 nostalgia. Like that was only, I mean, that was only two years ago, but you kind of look at it um, pretty fondly. The movies um, old pop culture. It's a great title. Yeah. Oh, great. Thank you. We appreciate it. The reason why I love it is because it's like this podcast itself is very much a retrospective of the 2010s. Like we try to each episode look at like 
everyone's career leading up to that movie or that moment that we're talking about. And so like, or we try to ex- like sh- have a, you know, what trends started, you know, we've talked about Blumhouse a lot. Blumhouse is a huge trend of the 2010s, A24, you know, these, this kind of tapestry of the, that, those 10 years. And so exiting through 2010s, it's still, even though we are out of that decade, technically, we're still kind of exiting through it in the sense of we're still, we still have a lot of our hearts and our minds in it. Sure. We've, a lot of us have developed in that decade, like, you know, most of our adult or adult or uh, teenage development happened in that decade. So it's like, we're still trying to kind of process, well, what, what like culturally in film, in like in film, what defined it? What was the things that really made up that decade? What it made it unique to compare to other decades? And also, it's we didn't want to do an 80s podcast because that would be nightmare. <laughs> that's for Drew McQueenie to do. Yeah, um, that's true. And I knew that this would definitely be the idea once IndieWire released that piece of like the 100 greatest mm-hmm. of the 2010s. And they came out within the summer. And I thought that was really interesting because obviously like six more months of the decade to go and they and they released a statement where it's like they didn't want that to interfere with top tens of 2019 so that ultimately that made sense and and that's what really got me thinking where it's where it's like yeah wait hold on (laughs) there is a lot of good stuff and um it should be celebrated and i think from decades from now there there's going to be a lot more celebration of what this decade pioneered um but because i think we're so aware of what we've seen and I, I think i can speak for you too that this might be the decade that i've seen the most movies yeah. oh that by far <laughs> um that we can s- celebrate it now we don't have to wait yeah yeah we're actually yeah. in a position to evaluate it like yeah i mm-hmm. totally agree yeah. It's one of like the only things we're actually qualified to talk about. <laughs> like, I mean, like, you know, we, like we can't, I mean, even though me and Jack have seen a lot of films, like doing a, like a foreign film podcast or a seventies podcast, like, I mean, we've seen some stuff, but we don't have that much actual knowledge and research and history with those, you know, the, the themes of that, like this, we lived it where, you know, like we watched the insane amount of movies this decade. So it's like, and I genuinely, have, I genuinely yeah. do love it. I, I do love this. Yeah, same, for- same. I'll, I'll, even when we did the Razzies, like there's something of, like I, t- I kind of touched on this in, in Night and Day where it's like this, there's something about the way that blockbusters look that aren't MCU, right? Or it's like mm-hmm. I kind of am nostalgic about even those little details. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's I, that I mattress, totally man. agree. I totally relate to that. Like, I feel like, uh, so often I feel like I don't know anything about film. Like, yes, objectively not true. You know, like I've, yeah. I've written about it. Uh, I watch like I watch a million movies like every year, et cetera, et cetera. But like there, there are so many auteurs that I haven't like really yeah. delved into yet. There are so many decades. There, there are so many there are so many genres that I feel so ill-equipped to talk about. But yeah, I, I totally relate to that. Like the 2010s. Yes, like I can cover that. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm not gonna get blo- I'm not gonna get blown out of the water. Exactly. I'm not gonna look like a total idiot. I saw Nightcrawler in the theater, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. I think there's something to having many blind spots because like for for example, I was just thinking about this recently that I haven't seen anything from Fellini, right? And it's like I can't wait to get to dig into that. And because I, I have like a zero percent 
on that catalog. It's like, okay, well, then that's just something more to explore. I don't think of it. It's like, oh man, I haven't seen anything. Oh man, what am I doing here? But it's, it's just like another, it's just another watch list to, to complete. And it's, it's something to look forward to. Like uh, Clay knows this, but I'm, I'm currently working my way through the best picture winners one, uh, one a week. So it's like, that's just another. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he started off with Crash. (laughs) Started off with the most picture Crash. I don't like uh, admitting that is the thing. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. I wanted to say it because I knew you weren't going to. Yeah, that's the that's the first first one he didn't see. Right? Because I'm going into set. Yeah, I'm going into sending order from Mm. 2000s and then down. Um, Mm. But this weekend at at the at this time is Million Dollar Baby, so I guess I'm rebounding. Oh, so you just like you just started this project, like this, like yeah, this. yeah, yeah. I oh, just gotcha. yep. Well, Godspeed. Um, I hope that they're better <laughs> than Crash in general. Honestly, I hope so too. Yeah, I'll be seeing Lord of the Rings for the first time, so I guess that'll yeah, be, that's true. Something. He's never seen a Lord of the Rings film, so <laughs> he's watching all three. I made I checked. Yes, you know, yeah. if people yeah. are wondering, people are worrying. I understand your concern. I made sure that he's going to watch all three. I, they're I, in my mentions. I put the hammer yeah. down. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. But Jonah, when was the first time you saw The Master? Yeah, I was just kind of I was also hoping that you'd ask me this uh, <laughs> because uh, it's a very college story. Um, Hell yeah! I saw I it, it my my sophomore year with my um, he's my he's my now roommate. We were just sort of becoming friends then, uh, and we watched it in his. He lived in like a suite style thing, so he lived with like mm-hmm. three other people. And then there were also, like, four other people that lived, like, across the hall. Uh, and, like, the two groups of people did not like each other. Like, they did not get along. Oh, no. And that was very clear from, like, the minute I walked into his uh, <laughs> into his living space. So we watched it on his laptop. And there were, like, just people talking over, like, the whole time. Like, I could not really get into it in any way. <laughs> but it was so good that... that I wouldn't say that that didn't matter. Like, like I think that I mm. did. Like, I, I think I did let yeah. down the master in some way by by watching it like that. <laughs> but I was also like totally blown away by it, even though I could hear like maybe like seventy percent of the dialogue. Like, like right. being generous. <laughs> and Joaquin's like um, putters and murmurs did not help yeah. at all. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Him talking on like the left side of his face, yeah. but not yeah. the right side in any moment at all. Just always was kind of like you know, it, it's it's so funny. You're doing one of those, like, come on. Yeah. It was funny, though, because it was also, like, it was sort of watching watching it under those circumstances were sort of, a, a like, a challenge to clear. Like, it's like, okay, I, I can only barely follow this movie in general, and I can only barely follow this movie because people are talking over it. So I got to, like, really give this yeah. like, 110% of my, percent of my attention to, mm-hmm. to get what is clearly, like, so great out of it. Um, and, yeah, like, I... I I, like I loved, like I loved it, like from that from that very first like watch. Yeah, totally. Like was it your first uh, PTA? Yeah, I was just gonna. Ask. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, but uh, we just said actually, the same thing. <laughs> Perfect. It was it was my second PTA. I had seen There Will Be Blood right beforehand, and actually, okay, to to be completely honest, I had seen Inherent Vice uh, in high school, like when it came out in the theater. I think it's mm. the no, no, it's not the only PTA I've seen in theaters. Uh, I did not care for Inherent Vice at that point, like, I, and I have not seen it since. Um, mm. And and I think Phantom Thread was coming out around that same time too. So okay. so I was so again it was like okay I'm I'm sort of familiar with 
2016, 2017-ish. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly when it was, was like yeah. like the winter of 2017 or 2018. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, obviously, like now I have seen all of his stuff and feel yeah. much more qualified to talk about. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It. Um, for myself, I actually lied when we did Inherent Vice. I like should have or I didn't lie I, I should have mentioned this story you know you lied it's don't actually, no 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 we can't you lied you were a liar you okay. you know you scoundrel you scoundrel yeah. you lied I'm a monkey that eats my own feces <laughs> I saw this SNL sketch when I was like 10 or 11 of um Bill Hader as Daniel Plainview and Amy Poehler as HW Plainview they're making fun of their blood right and someone else comes in as Anton Sugar, and I forget, I think it's Fred Armisen, actually. And I I remember thinking, like, it was my dad and I watching this. And I was like, Dad, what are they making fun of? Because like, it was this, <laughs> it was the whole, um, like, um, I will drink your milkshake bit, or it's or it's like Anton Sugar and Daniel Playview, like, they meet at a diner or something. And it's, and it's just like, I drink your milkshake. And that's the first time that I ever saw anything referenced about There Will Be Blood. And There Will Be Blood was my first... Uh, P.T. Anderson, and I just remember being, like, like dazzled, and um, that sort of led, and that, I think that might have been um, the only P.T.A. that my dad had seen, like, he saw, maybe, like, Booking Nights or something, but he was, he didn't really see any others, and he, he didn't, like, know what to show me next, so I just went out and um, independently sought out the master soon after that, and, um, I remember distinctly, like, the master, I saw this, like, oh my gosh, I, I can't even remember what AJ was at this point. It was far before I even had Letterboxd, so I can't even check there. But it was it was pretty young. It was, like, around the time that I really um, got into film and saw Interstellar. So my parents were having a few people over at the time. Like, it was a little get-together, and I saw the master was on Netflix, and it still is, by the way, which is pretty cool. I saw it in my parents' bedroom because they had like one of those small little TVs at the time, and you get and I got to the scene where um, uh, they arrive in Philadelphia and Lancaster Dodd is singing this song on the, on the piano and everyone is clapping along. I think we know where I'm going with this. And you, we cut to Freddie's point of view, and all the men are still fully clothed, but all the women are now naked, and he's thinking of women as is just sacks of meat and um, things to for for sex vessels of sex and um, my dad just walks in in that moment oh, it's like, no. oh, damn, to grab something and it's like oh my gosh I cannot believe this like I, I am and throughout the rest of the run like I just get like like red hot in my face like oh dad I could explain it's your so Irish funny. guilt just yeah. all over you I, that's so funny Papa I have, I have an explanation <laughs> I've sinned um, so would it have been better if he'd come in in the following scene when Amy Adams is mm. giving him the... Yeah, right, right, right. She's reading the passage, right, yeah. exactly. I think it could have, because then it's just, like, less imagery. It's, it's just, like, dialogue. But even then, you're like, I don't know if it would have been better. Um, but regardless of that, which, I, which I'll never forget, it, it's just, like, I was... I, I had the same sensation that I had when I saw There Will Be Blood, where I was just like, my mouth was on the floor and I had a really hard time picking it up. Um, I didn't 
under obviously I don't think I understood it at like a very young young age, but I didn't. I think that the master taught me that it was okay not to understand it, because um, I recognized how good of hands I was in. Um, oh yeah, and just the craft meant a lot to me to be like we we are so fully formed and the visuals can um take over in the, the plot i think that i, I meant maybe mentioned something else when we did inherit vice but the plot doesn't really matter in this case it's just a story about two friends that one has purpose and one doesn't and i sort of recognized on one's that a level. master right <laughs> one Which is a porsche right and <laughs> Um, and yeah, and, and that's, I think is really formative in that sense that I don't, I don't, I think that ambiguity runs deep in, into the movie and the amount of trust that P.T. Anderson gave me really, um, was something I hadn't seen before. Um, so the first, so I saw There Will Be Blood before, uh, before, or that was my first PTA film. Um, I and by don't... the way, I'm with I'm with Jonah. Like I've seen all his work. Like I love him. He's the goddamn shit. Like, I, just... <laughs> I have not seen Hard Eight to this day. I need to see Hard Eight. Um, but besides that, I've also seen all of the rest of his movies. Um, so I don't. I must have saw like There Will Be Blood in like 2014 or something before I got a letterbox. Um, and then. I now and I just checked because I'm like, well, when did I watch all of his other movies? Because I just completely forgot. Apparently, I watched most of them in, no, in November of 2015. That's when I watched this for the first time too, The Master. I like, and it was sporadically though. Like some was like, you know, November 2nd, November 3rd, November 4th, and like November 26th or whatever. So it was just all. But like, apparently that month I was like, PTA, let's fucking do it. Um, that was definitely like the year where I'm like, okay, film. People like these films. Let me watch these films. You know, people say, this is good. And I'm like, all right, let me figure out if this is good or not. Um, and I just kind of, like, get into more director, director-driven director stuff and, like, indies and stuff That in that year. I mean, not as much as I am, like, now, but, like, that was, like, me bursting onto the scene of, like, okay, they're directors and they make films and if people like them. Let's figure this shit out. Um but yeah, I, I so I saw this probably in the middle of the marathon or binge or whatever in the month, and I remember really liking it, getting it. That was like one of the first like Joaquin performances I really paid attention to. Um, same thing with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like it was, just, it just kind of was like, oh, like this is these are these are really like seasoned actors who have like prestigious careers and are well respected, and this is a really respected filmmaker doing like, then this is like an adult drama. It all, it all is just kind of like, Oh, okay. So this is, this, this kind of film. And this is these kind these are these kind of actors that I think these that now that things. I, now that I think about it, this might be the first time that I ever saw Phil Joaquin and Amy Adams. Cause like, not yeah, Amy Adams. You must've seen Amy Adams in something else. You missed enchanted. <laughs> yeah. Like the Muppet no, movie not. or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe Did I'm wrong. Did you see then. this before Catch Me no. If You Can? Yeah, I'm wrong. <laughs> okay, just yeah, walking. I was gonna in say. Well, just walking. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, three. Amy, she's been in. She's been in stuff. Um, all three of those, I definitely seen you. Yeah. 
but yeah, and so since then though, like I don't rewatch movies that much. I haven't rewatched this. I haven't rewatched most of PTA's work. Um, and but I just remember really digging it, and then like the more and more people talk about it since then, I've been like, yeah, no, that was a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like watched it. This and and I don't remember how much of it I really got because we were talking about like how how much did we actually get it the first time we watched it, and I don't really remember, but I kind of have a feeling that this watch like uh, like for the rewatch that I did last night, I'm like, oh, I get less of this than I did the first time. Mm-hmm. Like I love it, but I'm like I th- I think it's more because I understand a lot of what's ha- like the context of what's happening that a lot of like the actual co- like subtext I'm kind of like. Man, this is a lot. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down for a minute. I'm gonna try to parse this out because I am confused. Because there's nothing like this, right? Like, no. He doesn't make movies that um, fit into a, a genre or have the same energy as anything else. Um, even though you want to say this is a drama and um, Punch Drunk Love is a romantic comedy, but it's it's just so idiosyncratic. Uh, yeah. Well, I think this is a pretty perfect marriage of his earlier, more Robert Altman ensemble type of stuff and his sort of later, uh, very power dynamic focused, uh, very like relationship focused work. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like if, if like, to me, there's a very clear line between like Phantom Thread and Punch Drunk Love. I see, th- I see those as like very, yeah. very tied together. Um, and obviously the earlier stuff, he's like so into into Altman and, and into Altman, trying to do Demi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. and I think but I think that this this does a really perfect job of feeling like it is a whole world of characters, a whole um uh, uh a whole ensemble uh that is all sort of in service of like sort of one one or two like bigger ideas, and at the same time having two like kind of two or, or arguably three like perfectly drawn endlessly complex like like people that the movie is about because mm-hmm. all of his movies are about relationships yeah um really and they they center on two people that are trying to to find some some kind of redemption or are intertwined and religion be okay you know, yeah yeah exactly like... right that fit into some uh made up family and i and yeah, i guess like yeah. these are sort of obvious through lines through his catalog but i guess like you can't really notice his style like his contemporaries you can right like mm-hmm. visually he doesn't have something that will stand out like no he's not Western class Anderson. or, or tarantino, tarantino yeah um, well, and i think he was so into the long takes earlier sorry i yeah. didn't mean to but 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 he's so moved yeah. away from that virtuosity sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because like the camera will fly around in Boogie Nights, Magnolia, and even Punch Drunk Love, where it's it's he's almost in love with the the way he can use it to really get a frenetic feel. But here it's like so so steady, and he didn't use Robert Ellswood to shoot this, and I think that really shows here. He's said in a few interviews even that this is the best movie he'll ever make, and I think whether or wow. not it's. His, and he's actually said something similar in, in Magnolia, and he's joked uh, with an interview in uh, with Mark Hamode where it's like, well, isn't that where you're supposed to say when you're promoting a movie? <laughs> but I, And I think on some level that's true, but I think for now, like you mentioned, like this is, for later PTA, this is the best movie he'll make. 
Um, and maybe it, it might not be your personal favorite. Um, the craft is just extraordinary. And um, this might be the deepest dive into the human psyche that he's maybe ever done. Even, even if I remember um, looking back at some reviews like I did earlier today, they didn't call it as emotional as um, Magnolia and Boogie Nights and Punch Drunk Love were. But I think that as he ages and as, and as Annie Autor ages, their emotional drawings of characters tend to just flex, right? Um, I'm always so, I, just to go back a little sec, a quick second, I'm always so weird, weirded out when directors be like, yeah, that's the best movie I've ever made. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I don't, I don't, I don't want you saying that. I don't know. Like, I don't want you having opinions on your own films. Let us have the opinions. You, you know, you stay quiet about that. I don't know. I've always, I've always found it weird. I don't know why. It's always like, just like, I guess you can have an opinion of like, this is the best one. I'm just like, it's always just weird to me. I don't know why. I think with Paul, it's different because he'll never make a bad movie. Um, it's true. Just, and I understand where you're coming from. And at some level, I agree. I think with this, I just... See I'm not that like. serious about it. I'm just, <laughs> it's mostly just, I, I just find it, I always just find it weird. Like Tarantino, mm -hmm. like, oh, it's like the best thing I've ever written. I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, I, I guess. I mean, of I course did. you can have that take, but it's weird because it's just like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't Tarantino say that about the opening scene of Bastards? I, I yeah, that's, just, that's, that's the best good. thing he's ever written. Which is like... Pretty good. True. Scene, right? I mean, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> it is. It's like they say like true things, but like it's always just kind of like that's a take. You can definitely say like the master's the best movie I've ever made, but I'm just like I don't know. I always I always find it weird. Like how do you separate like I don't I, it, I feel like me knowing what the artist's favorite thing is affects my opinion of their art sometimes. So it's always like I don't know. I don't really want to know what they think about their own shit. Like I, yeah. I want to like watch it. I want to talk to other people about it, but I don't know. It's funny. Um, I just want to say, like we, thing I think that we can have personal favorite episodes of the yeah. show, but we can't yeah. oh, be God. like, yeah. that's our crowning achievement. Yeah, exactly. Something I like, yeah, like I had really fun doing that. that. We are allowed. allowed. Like, 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 why not? Like if you, if you feel like you crush an episode, why can't you be like, <laughs> it's true. We no, it's true. This episode, you know, I, <laughs> It's like, I, I guess think... it's just like raising one above all the others is like, that's the, and favorite, I guess is different, but just like, that's the best thing I've ever done is like, I don't know. I, maybe it's just a me thing, but like, I always, I'm always curious and always like, not uncomfortable, just kind of like, oh, okay. I guess that's, <laughs> that's the best thing you've ever done. I, I, it's one of those things like, we can't really argue that because they, I mean, we can, but they're going to be the authority most of the time because they are the artist who made the thing so it's like they i guess you know, never mind well um, I, I was watching the the de palma doc a couple mm -hmm. months ago and mm -hmm. um this is like this is gonna get me canceled for sure but i don't love carlito's way it's a great doc i don't love carlito's way like it's not like in my like top five de palma movies or whatever and he's 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 in the doc and he's he, he tells noah baumbach like yeah, I can't make a better movie than Carlito's way. And <laughs> and I'm sitting there watching it and I'm like, I think you like have I think you did, and right? Yeah. Sense. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like 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 I think I think with something like The Master or the first scene of Inglorious Bastards, it's like, yeah, those like those It's like kinda undeniable. Yeah. Those kind of align with my taste, you know? Like, yeah. But like 
Like the, the, the I mean, Quentin Tarantino opens up his mouth and says stupid stuff all the time. Like true. I think, I think he and Greta Gerwig both love Joker or something like that. It's like yeah. it's like you. I don't. I don't. I don't think that artists have necessarily like good taste. Like I think that that's I, good. That's a good point. That's a good point. Like I, it's when I it's their own stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's when it's their own stuff. I'm like, how do you divorce? I just I can't even be in that mode where I'm like, how do you divorce? the experience you've had with all the other stuff and watch it. Cause I know like a lot of actors are just like, I can't watch my own work. And I'm curious if they're, and, and directors of course cannot be that same way because they're usually going to be involved in the editing and like have to watch it and see how it looks. Um, but it is and interesting then there's, to me. There's that. Willem Dafoe. I've heard in interviews be like, I'm just kind of curious what I look like on screen. And there's the complete opposite. Um, I would be too, if I was, by Willem the way, Dafoe, cause Jonah, yeah. um, favorite diploma. Oh, uh, Blowout, without us. Yes! Mm, oh, That's the answer so I was looking good. for. So good. So good. So I so just rewatched good. it the other night, and it's like, it's a oh masterpiece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it all comes together in that one. Like, yeah, seriously. It's so it's good. It's so bleak. It's so depressing. Yeah. Like, yeah, he yeah. just... He just is like, what if I just write the like the worst possible thing that could happen in this story? And that's I've got to say, like... <laughs> I kind of have a... I kind of have a, um, like, saw spot for Dress uh, to Kill. It's up there somewhere. Um, and I honestly, like, it's kind of like, hasn't aged the greatest, but (laughs) problematic fave dress to kill. I haven't seen, I've only seen a few De Palmas, but like, yeah, I, it's funny though. Like after I watch Blowout, I'm like, I guess I'll watch his other stuff. And I watch something like Sisters and I'm like, this dude really fucking hates people and just wants them to have the worst endings possible. (laughs) Like the ending of Sisters is like insane. (laughs) It's just like, what the fuck? Um, Yes, but, oh, yeah, that's that's an insane ending. Yeah, I thought about it. Insane ending. It's, it's all like bleak, like all. Yeah, like, it feels like everything yeah. he ever made through this, through that. Yeah, and then I don't know. I feel like um, uh, like Femme Fatale is really good too. Oh, Femme Fatale's good. Like, yeah, two thousand two. Banderas. Yeah, that one's not quite as bleak. I don't. I don't, I don't remember at least. Like, and then like two thousands De Palmas. Like, what do you have to oh, yeah, say? Yeah, 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 like, there's. I'm sure there's like a sentence or. 10 page paragraph essays you can write about it like there's i don't know <laughs> um one quick thing about uh we're talking about like pta's career and like what are the establishing marks of pta and what are the kind of threads you can uh or not threads but like yeah like, what's the threads throughout his all all of his films what's the connecting thematic shit in there and it's like when I think of a PTA film, I think of inter- interiority a lot, like, in the sense of, like, character interiority, and this film especially. Like, watching this, I'm like, oh, this is, like, it's so focused on Freddy's interiority as a character. Like, his own, like, deep, dark feelings and his own ideas and stuff. And it's also, like, he leaves a lot of that unsaid. And it's the same thing with a lot of his other films. It's, like, I mean, it, it like, fucking phantom thread is all about like interiority i feel like sometimes it's just like those two relate those those two people like holding in all of their feelings about one another because they they're worried to scare the other one off and then until the end and then in the end they're like yeah no this is this is this relationship um but yeah and so like when i'm thinking of pta i don't really think of a shot or um like uh or like a like a editing style i think of like 
in, like really like ser- like in- interior characters, like well drawn interior characters, and so like that's like the thing that PTA is to me. Yeah, yeah, I, and I think especially here you have um, the Jack Fisk uh, production design. Legendary production designer works with like David Lynch and Terrence Malick, and uh, he did he designed There Will Be Blood. Like, and um, I, I think for Fisk he tends to lean towards these uh, productions that will evoke the sense of place that you're in, um, even, no matter how big or small. And that has been P.T. Anderson's whole whole thing, is that he's really hardly made a contemporary picture um, other than, like, Magnolia and Punch Drunk Love. Because um, he just likes to play time travel with cinema. Like, I, I think that a lot of people subscribe to that idea that th- that's one of the functions of cinema is to go to a place that you've never been to before. It's, and this might be like his most successful venture into that, right? Like, Absolutely. I just, I, I think about some of these, like, I, I constantly, honestly, I constantly think about the the moment that Freddie is working at the mall and he's a photographer and you have those shots of something that he'll well for one thing he'll never be like he can't fit into um the optimism of of the 50s the post-war 50s but Mm. he'll never fit into the normal life but those pictures just remind me so much of my grandparents and the way that both of my mom's parents were like those those pictures of themselves and together that they would have around the house like they just looked exactly like that and PTA is my mom's age. Like he's, he's 50, 51, something like that. And mm. he looked to his parents, um, in that group and that, uh, baby boomer generation. Um, and also Jason Robarts, who's obviously played Earl Partridge in, in Magnolia that told him more stories. Um, and, and I think because he looked at all these resources, it shows that he didn't just look to film for inspiration, even though we can talk a little bit about let there be light. If, if you guys have seen it, um, but he's he looks to, to like people and um, recollections and memories stuff like that. It's very interesting. Yeah, and of course, like the Mark Bridges costume design is like impeccable. <laughs> this movie's gorgeous. Like oh, like yeah. in a way that yeah. uh, uh, I just feel like very few things come anywhere near close to. Yeah. Like like even just the waves. I feel like I can think of I can right. picture <sighs> those waves. It's like a sonata. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And right. I, I think about like like. Um, the department store is a great example too, because like, uh, like I feel like a, a '50s department store. I generally think of something like the first season of Mad Men, like that had yeah. a lot of '50s department stores in it, right? Carol. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, the department store in this is so lovingly shot and so like uh, uh, gray, but also Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Yeah, I mean it's it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and there there is there is like one long one like long shot where you really get a full sense of the space when 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 Freddy's messing with the guy. Um, I think that's like all done in like one one continuous. Time. I'm starting to sweat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and did you notice that that guy looks exactly like like Lancaster Dodd? Like so he, I was like, he's... yeah, yeah. I thought we touched on that uh, a little bit later or eventually that there's many um, character actors or. Uh, folks that are cast in this just to emphasize this idea of doubles and pairs and relationships that so many faces that we meet for just a second 
can look like Peggy Lancaster Dodd or uh, Freddie Quill. And I, I think that once, yeah, you don't think about it at first. I, I recently caught that on, on like an umpteenth viewing, but it's, it really is so striking that we can come across just these two individuals in Freddie and Lancaster, but yet we all share similarities of like their psyche and then their psyche just descends into their features, right? If that, yes. if that makes any sense. You just blew my fucking mind. Sorry, okay. just give me a second. Like <laughs> Dodd's Dodd's daughter, the one that's get, that gets married to Raymond Elizabeth. Malick, yeah, looks exactly like the the woman who works in the department store yeah. that he's like with at the beginning. To the point that yeah. um, I was I was watching this with my girlfriend over uh, like virtually, and she was like, "Is that the department store girl?" And I was like. <laughs> No, I don't think so. Yeah, well, it exactly. could be. I, yeah. I'm pretty sure, you know. <laughs> That'd be funny if it was. And, and you can even take it a step further that the way that they dress a very baby-faced Jesse Plemons, his haircut is to yes. resemble Lancaster Dodd. And, of course, like, he's his son, but still. like it's. And, it's they, all, and they have the two noted comments of, like, oh, I see I, I see the resemblance. Like, mm-hmm. Yes, know. yes, yes. Right, right, right. But meanwhile, that the, the, his son just couldn't be less interested. Like, yeah. he, he's, he's making all this up as he goes along. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some Plemons. Yeah, he's great. He's yeah. That's me. I, I, I'm just. No, I you I, are Jesse Plemons. I keep wanting to think I I look like him, but maybe I don't. I don't know. Yeah, you got the red hair. <laughs> I see it. Yeah. Okay. What are you gonna say, I Jonah? Got, I got oh no! I just I just feel like um, you Jack. You were talking earlier about how impeccable it is from a craft standpoint. I I, I feel like you you mostly mean that in terms of like cinematography and production design um but i also feel like it's totally impeccable from a narrative perspective too Mm. like the way that we go from the war to that 50s department store and there's all this stuff in the middle that's happened with him and doris and flashbacks that we don't even you know right we don't even see that there would be room for one there you know and 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 then, and then, and, and I think that's what makes it feel so impenetrable in some ways. And like, I'm, I'm on viewing four and I feel like I'm just barely scratching the surface, but exactly. like it does, it does all fit together. You know, it does yeah. that, that all that, uh, it is all earned. Um, yeah. I just think I adore like that the film doesn't give us like a, like a war flashback where it's no. just like, you, you see Freddie with like a mm. machine gun and they're all like ambushing. Yeah, Vietnam I, like that's something I've. I've always, I've always loved, um, cause we, we, and we, and we very purposely meet Freddie at a, at a time where he's at his most primal, his most id state. And he's, he's like chopping coconuts and he's like fighting other soldiers. And, and it's like you, he looks like people just look different in different eras and you, and that's something I've always been interested in for, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's, no, it it's does. like, um, totally. Yeah. He kind of, he kind of just like fits, um, this role and, um, yeah. And his character, I mean, all character instructions are fantastic that you, I remember actually, you know, in that first viewing, you hear that piece of music, um, with like the instruments that you wouldn't hear in other classical like film scores that Greenwood has sort of taken his time in Radiohead and then translated into film composing and kind of dabbled in that um, (laughs) in There'll Be Blood. And I recognize that 
when I was just like, something feels different. I can't really pinpoint it. I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Jonah. I can't, I still can't pinpoint it, but, um, I adore it. Yeah. Um, I just want to mention one quick thing. Uh, you're talking about like Joaquin's look in like the beginning of that character introduction, how it just like really fits. And his back think... is sort of bent over and he, yeah, and the way that he puts his arms when he's standing, standing up and he's like putting it on his sides. It talks out it's the all... side of his mouth. Too, yeah. Like. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think that he, obviously Joaquin suffered an injury when he was only a kid, uh, that gave us that scar on his lip. But where the scar is placed on in this character is like makes the most sense, and it, it feels like the most natural that it, that um, he would have he would have some sort of disfigurement, even the though underrated... it's obviously not like mm-hmm. just the character. Like Joaquin actually has that. But the underrated thing about Joaquin as an actor, and I mean everyone's praised him and all that. It's like it's not necessarily even his just like I mean it's part of his performance, but not necessarily his like delivery of dialogue, but his look. Anything he's in, he's just like, yeah, that's the dude. That's exactly how that person looks. Like, he, he really, like, no matter, like, he looks like a Roman, you know, like a, a Roman, not legionnaire, but, like, a dictator in fucking Gladiator. He has the look of one. Like, he like embodies that, he just has, like, all the features and the aesthetic down so well. And, like, how he carries himself physically. I find it remarkable that him and Amy... Or in her, just a year later, it's it's just like wow, the spike. It's just another radically different still look. Still real, yeah, right. I mean, look at him as uh, as um, I forget that character's name, um, Ted. Theodore. Theodore. No. Yeah. Theodore. You got it. Yeah. There you go. Um, but that's like totally like his hair is totally different. His um, mannerisms. I always are remember totally that different. Amy Adams's name is Amy. <laughs> in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like he. It's like sometimes when you watch him in completely different timelines, whether it's in Inherent Vice in the 70s or this in the 50s or, you know, in the ancient Rome or whatever, it's like he's kind of like this reincarnation every time. It's like it's him, but he is a but he you could tell that he's like was grown in in that time, like he was formed by that era and it it always just fits. But, and, like, he just, I don't know, like, I don't know if that's necessarily just him or just the directors he worked with, but they always get his look down so well in each of his movies that really just make it so, it just adds so much to his characters. Like, he just, it feels like he can time travel and he could blend in at any moment. All right, we're we're heaping a lot of praise on Joaquin Phoenix here, but it, I feel like we got it. We got to talk about Frank right. Seymour Hoffman. Your boy, oh, of course. I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry. I feel yeah. like you know yeah. Joaquin Phoenix is eating up all the air here. Like, <laughs> I want to, no, I want I want to ask you guys, like, because this is this is what I think is the thing that was most fascinating to me on my first watch, and hasn't gotten any less fascinating to me. Yeah. Like, like over and over again but how much do you think the master is is bluffing how much do you and how much well obviously he's bluffing because like you know time travel he's a fucking crackpot exactly but to what extent do you think that he is aware that um he's talking out of his ass Hmm. go first um i think I don't know, there's moments where I'm like, no, he actually buys into his bullshit. And there's other moments, like, you see the key moment of... 
when you ask me this question, the moment I think of the most that like is going to determine my answer, my feelings on the subject, is him with Laura Dern at right after he makes that speech. Yeah. She yeah. points out, "Hey, you changed the processing lingo. You yeah. instead of can you can you recall it's can you imagine that changes like the fundament like changes like fundamentally of like what the pro like what the what point of processing yeah. is. Yeah. Exactly. And he acts like and, and you can read it either two ways. One, he didn't think about it. He actually was just like, no, that's this the new thing. It just makes more sense. Let's can you imagine or whatever. But I didn't think it would change so much of like change so much of what the meaning is. Yeah. yeah. The other way you can read it is he forgot that it says can you recall? Yeah, <laughs> like he forgot. Like he's t- told so many lies. He's it's spun so much bullshit. He's like, oh, that's right. It's can you recall in book one? I completely forgot about that. Like yeah. he doesn't even. And so he's caught off guard and just kind of like sn- like you know snake sales uh, or snake oil salesman his way out of that conversation, being like, well, you know, it's about you know mm-hmm. it, it, it. The data has produced blah 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 blah, and it's like, it, so it, you can either. It, so that moment is really because she's right. It changes the right. entirety of that, like of that whole the, what processing is. It's right. processing in, in the way the movie presents is we're calling your past lives, we're calling the feelings, the senses, all of that. And can you going imagine to your inherent, is, inherent state of perfect? Yeah, yeah like yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And like, can you imagine? Is like, well, can you just imagine you flying? I don't know. Like, it, it's like, it, can you imagine? Is anything? It's like, can you imagine you being so much a pig? Open ended. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Clay, when was the first time that you saw Phillips and your Hoffman? They oh, can I don't remember. Know. But wait, wait, let John, let John say say what you say yeah. first, and I'll oh, try no, to I figure just... out. I, I, I think you're that. right that he does the um, the snake oil salesman thing that he that he sort of like talks in circles for a bit, but he he defaults to just yelling at her. You know what mm. I mean? He he it, when when that conversation ends, he goes, "What do you want?" And that's the, that's so similar to to when he calls the the scientists at the at the fancy party a pig fuck. Um, it's so funny. And, and it well, it is so funny, but I also think it shows how. Kind of Good night, sir. at his job. You know what I mean? Like, like, like yelling at these people and getting really mad at them and and yeah. trying to dominate them by being the loudest person in the room doesn't convince them that you're right. Doesn't convince them that you actually know what you're talking about. Doesn't. So, so for for as much as I think he is this like you know magnetic, very uh, 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 confident and uh, uh, magnetic, you know, magnetic figure, he. He doesn't really know what to do when he's challenged in any way, and I think that's just such a such a brilliant way to make this character. Like, like you give him the slightest bit of resistance. Okay, maybe it's not the slightest bit of resistance, but like more than like one second of resistance, and he just crumbles. He just crumbles into a million pieces. I don't. I don't feel like Laura Dern is going to continue to be a part of the cause after that conversation. I think she's leaving. I think she's. I think she's hitting the road. I think. I think all of her. I mean, I mean, we have no idea, right? We really right. don't know, but I'm pre- but but the way I read that scene is that uh, he's he's alienated her, and he alienates everyone at that party. That's why they have to go sleep in a hotel instead of sleeping in in that woman's house. That woman was that woman was his was his gold was his meal ticket was his golden ticket. And then mm-hmm. when he called the guy a pig fuck, that and 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 it's. <laughs> And it's all done so subtly. Like, it's all yeah. done, like, 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 there's no scene where Amy Adams is like, uh, I'm so mad at you because, no, she, like, goes off and does her crazy rambling in the next scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I do I love, love how yeah. everyone's, yeah. like, monologues in this movie are like, 
what did you just say? Like, he's just like, it's just like, this like, talks around the circle. Like, that whole thing of Amy, a- Amy Adams, like, talking about New York City. I know it's lies. I know it's secrets. And I'm like, how? Where? <laughs> what? What? You know, just like, are you from New York? What? Like, yeah. were you, but, like, and they welcomed us here. And I'm just like, who? It's like, it's so, it's so funny because, like, I know what she's saying in that, like, whole yeah. thing of, like, you know, how it's all hypocritical and that, you know, we, we, it's high society pushing us and attacking us, even though we, they know we're right, that kind of shit. But it is, like, it, it is, like, talk, it's just, like, this movie is circle talking the movie. It's just, like, talking in circles, like, the entirety. Mm-hmm. Like, the only person who doesn't talk in circles is Freddy because he just doesn't have the capacity for it. Exactly. Everyone else is just like you can kind of yeah. barely put two words together, so he can't exactly. <laughs> I'll quit the boozing. Um, oh. I think that uh, Peggy has this really interesting line of dialogue early on, early on in the boat. She's like, "We record everything," and I think you, there's also a lot of ways to take that, even if that is kind of easy to understand. Where it's they literally record it on a machine, or they record everything mentally, and they remember things that happen in this life or the past or the future lives that they believe in. And I think that when Lancaster Dodd has those outbursts, it's leveling himself and Freddie on, on a playing field that we can register them at, at first as like ego and id. And you can even bring further and say, Peggy is the super ego. Um, Damn. Then it's, it's like got all film school all of a sudden. I wasn't prepared. I thought that was more that was more psychology uh, classes in high school paying off than it was. But Sigmund Freud finally, right? I know. Listen, I'm just trying to bring us into a more. um, This is like exiting plus premium content. (laughs) I'm gonna start charging tip jar tweet chip jar. Is that? Oh yeah, uh, a tip jar. We gotta get that tip jar. Oh, Jesus boy. Christ! Um, I what, love what is... the oh, relationship and that Lancaster Dodd is so committed to changing Freddie. He sees the vulnerability, recognizes those, but I, I adore that scene that nobody else does, right? Because Peggy's like, "What if he's past help? What if he's..." And then Clark's even like, "What if he's a spy?" And there's all these things going around, but then um, we get to the end, and he recognizes that, or we, or you know, we see that these things stay with him. But he's not going to be a changed person. He's just we're just adding things to his person. We're not morphing them. Mm. And I think that um, P.T. Anderson has some. I mean, may, I don't know if we want to like. We're not, we don't really go in chronological order. What am I saying? Like, he doesn't give him, he gives him a very, he gives him a happy ending is, is the way I've always seen it, right? He's right back to where we started um, with the sandcastle of the nude woman lying down next to him, kind of like in, in a, in a state of joy, right? Not, not worrying or having any discontentment, like the, like the song sings in the end. Um, yeah, I, I think because we just see him like an animal fucking another woman, um, that it's it just it's meant to be. And because some people in this world run from intimacy and pleasures, it makes no sense, but it also makes all the sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because Freddie is an animal, right? Like. At the end of the, and I mean, I just said that, but he's, 
he's like, if you try to tame him, he's not going to like it. And he's, he's just like, he's going to get mad and fight back. Um, even if he'll embrace some of the taming. Whereas Amy Adams, she's total true believer, right? <laughs> like, like Peggy, Peggy believes all of this stuff a hundred percent is at least the way I see it. Is that would you guys? No, no, he, no, she has drink, drank the Kool-Aid like hundred percent. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like or God, drink the um, lighter fluid concoction. Yeah, the paint potion thinner. in the paint thinner in this case. I, right? I the close up of that, I'm like they're drinking paint thinner. Holy shit! <laughs> they're guzzling it, man. They're, they're just not gonna. If how I did they get to... like yellow? How did that happen? Where did he get that color from? Because it looks like orange juice to me. Like it yeah, does. Down orange yeah. Juice, yeah. Kind of like what did he put in it? Or, yeah. I love the photography video. station of like there he's in the closet. And you just see like he should be a toxologist. Of... Is that what yeah. they're called? The drink mixers. Yeah. He'd be perfect at it. I think it's mixologist. Mixologist. Right. The, the toxologist is like poison shit. What am I saying? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I. But no, I she definitely you, bought. She bought yeah. into it. She bought into it. I have a theory that 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 Dodd uh, doesn't believe any of it. Like he's no. he's 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 given up completely by the by the point that we meet him. Um, I I feel like he uh, uh, he goes to dig up his old work in 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 that one scene before the conference, and I think that's most of like the book quote unquote that 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 comes out later. But I think what Freddie gives him is like a, a, a the perfect slab of marble that he that he that 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 it's exciting to dominate a person again it's exciting to be the master again because freddy is so impossible to master right like like that's what um that's one of the first things peggy says to to freddy is like you you brought out something in him he's been upwriting all night um and and yeah yeah i i think i think he doesn't believe any of it but i think he does like to be in control he does like to be the the boss he I don't believes in himself. Him. He believes, like, Lancaster Dodd believes in his ability to do shit. His ability to control people, his ability to yep. manipulate, his ability to charm, his ability yep. to, like, produce a movement. So, I actually think, I mean, yes, I mean, that, I, for some reason, I didn't think of the idea of, oh, he just wants to dominate, and, like, he, it's, like, like you said, fresh new me. Oh, I can dominate a person again. Like, I can induce someone, like, someone who, like, it's a challenge. And I, the challenging aspect of oh, how can I master this person? I guess I, I, I guess I, I read it read it the same way, but somewhat differently. Is more of like it, that whole. I read it as him trying to like Lancaster Dodd trying to prove to himself, what if I can get this shit to actually work? Mm. This is yeah. the person. Yeah. This is yeah. the person to like the un the, like the challenging the impossible. If any of the bullshit craziness I say is actually has some truth in it and then then it would like and if i could prove that by having by like taming this person taming this animal like jack said Mm. um i think i I, I don't ever want to call it manipulation i never that never crossed my mind however um because there's sort of like a sweetness to their freddy and lancaster dynamic they're they're just i mean phoenix and hoffman has just like unbelievable chemistry and it's such an unlikely friendship of course um lancaster dodd taps into something that he didn't know should be tapped into because if you look at 
the processing scene, which I mean, we could call like the most famous, yeah, uh, objectively the most famous scene of the of the film, and then you go to when he's talking to that officer when he's about to be discharged about like um, some recollections that he has, I, I think, and he's just like he has such pity and anger and like you know, disgusted at the people who reign over him. Like, I'm not going to talk to this person about things that I hold deep, that I have buried deep down inside of my soul. And then once he gets on this boat, it's, it's only when he taps into something that he recognizes, like, um, like work and booze and women. Right. Mm-hmm. So he can only be talked to on, on terms that he understands. But it's but because PTA is such an an understanding and objective filmmaker, it's it's not like you pity you have sorrow for either party. It's fantastic. No, but I think um, and and I think one of the reasons these these actors have such incredible chemistry is that so much of the um, so much of the edit emphasizes uh, us looking at Freddie. Like, like it, 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 we're almost always in these shots. The there's many close-ups. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And there's so many scenes uh, where 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 Hoffman isn't on screen, but he's like, you know, he's just talking, and mm-hmm. and the camera's right next to his shoulder, basically. Like it's it's right it's right on his shoulder, and the Dodd's philosophy, if you can call it that, or his or his con, like is perfect for getting inside the heads of people. Like that's what it does. That's what it, that's, but it's the perfect thing to use for a movie, right. That is trying to get inside the heads of these characters. Like it's, it's this, and, and then, and then that works on an even greater level with the, with the Philip Seymour Hoffman performance, right. Because like he is acting on some level through all of this. He is the only scene I feel like where, where Dodd is, is fully straight, where he's fully honest, where he's fully, like expressing the thing that he genuinely feels is, is the very end when he's singing the slow boat to China song. Mm. Like that's like, to me, that's the only time where it's like, Oh, this is how this person feels. And he's being clear with it. Like, yeah. Maybe in a past life. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm of two minds about, of his like relationship and how he sees Freddie. Like how Lancaster Dodd sees Freddie. Sometimes like, like you know, I think sometimes like oh, he views him as a pet, mm. as someone like as just like this is a side project. This is something to get like this is something to distract myself with. This is like mm. something I could put my attention to and get some joy out of it. But this is not like a real like sub you know substantial relationship. I'm not putting so much like actual energy and feelings into this. This is just more of like a um yeah, just more of like a side project. Sometimes, but other times I'm like, oh no, he really cares about like Freddie and like as a, you know, and has and there and has a real emotional connection with him. Mm. And that, but that and that thought flips from scene to scene. It just depends. Like at the dinner table, when even when Freddie's not there, the way Dodd kind of takes all that criticism or not all that, all those like theories and worry uh, and worries from everyone else. <laughs> yeah, he. At that moment, it's like, oh, no, he, like, him, like, having all these three people, like, present these compelling, like, do not trust this person, get him to leave, and he's kind of like, mm, no. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I it, it's like, oh, so he cares about him because if it was just a pet, then he'd just be like, oh, you're probably right. Okay, I'll throw him into the trash. But that also could just be his arrogance. Like, I don't know. It's interesting. I I'm I don't think I can ever. And that last scene, it does seem though like him singing that song, and like being so upfront with Freddie does seem something more than how he would just treat an animal. It does seem like a relate. Like seemed like he did. There was a it's like a love connection there. Yeah. Yeah, but he does very much, like, he does, does not, he never sees Freddy as an equal. Ever, ever, no. ever, ever, ever. No. Um, well, I, I yeah. feel like from a more external, just to look at it, like, more from a, I don't know, like, the, the circumstances that these characters are in, I feel like by the time that last scene rolls around, the cause has sort of stabilized on some level. Like, mm-hmm. they don't need, um, like rich women they're not anymore. crashing at helen's estate exactly. anymore exactly right. like like they they've got a school it's set up and and what dodd needs is is not money anymore it's not it's not you know acceptance it's freddie like freddie is what he needs like freddie is the is the and freddie needs lancaster dodd too yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh do you think so do you think he i think him? i do i i don't know i mean there's a reason why he went back because Doris, Doris Day, like the singer, um, mm-hmm. she is, she has a man and a kid now yeah. and he can't go, he can't go anywhere else. Cause we've seen that the drifter, mm-hmm. um, circles back to where he was most comfortable, but even then he was a nuisance and he just, he provides a, a like a paradox for himself, mm-hmm. but no escape. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I do believe that they that they need each other, even though the relationship dynamics might even be just as unhealthy as Peggy and Lancaster Dodd. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think um, I I I I think that I don't feel like Freddie. I don't know. I don't feel like Freddie needs Dodd. I I I feel like he. I I I think that he. Uh, there's a there's a bar that that Freddie can hit. Like there's a there's an amount that he is capable of changing. And when a he's ceiling. handing out yeah, there's a ceiling. Uh, and when he's handing out the flyers in Arizona, like he's at that. Like when he's free processing. Picture, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> shoot some, and like he um it doesn't take much for him to for him to break. You know, like it doesn't it doesn't take much for him to just just completely turn away turn away from that. Like Right. Whatever, everything Dodd throws at him, he just kind of bounces off, you know? It's <laughs> like when he slaps, him. it's like that moment when he slaps around Kevin O'Connor, who's uh, <laughs> Henry Plainview and There Will Be Blood. Like, oh. it, you realize that he just <laughs> needs excuses to lash out anger. Um, and, you, and you kind of think about when, um, when they're in jail together and mm-hmm. Lancaster Dodd shouts out, like, who likes you except for me? Who likes you? Except for me, who you have no friends or something like that, and it's and like that. I think that in that jail scene is just remarkable <laughs> that you you see like the purest sides of each of them. Like anything they like to say will be said bluntly for like a minute and a half. And Freddie, yeah, that's when all the bullshit like, dissipates. Of course, right? <laughs> and then Freddie just spews out that morning when Al is like, he's making all this up as he goes along. He just like, it's almost like that clicks. 
at that moment. Yep. Like he has a delay. Um, yeah. Uh, I so good, right? It's just I, the best. It's the no, best. it's great. We're, it's we're sitting here. We're sitting here. We're like, oh, it's the, oh I the we're talking about the idea of does Freddy need Lancaster? And I'm kind of too like I'm kind of like in the middle in the sense of I view Lancaster in terms of like Freddy's progression, like what he does from after like once the movie ends, like what what road uh, what uh, road he goes down. Like Lan- he needed a fork in the road at some point, and Lancaster was that fork in the road. He needed to choose a path, mm-hmm. and I think Lan- and that's why I think Lancaster. Like I think that's why Freddie needed Lancaster, but I don't think he needs him like from then on. I think he just needed a he just needed a come to Jesus moment, and he needed just a he needed a, to make a choice, mm-hmm. and that's the first time he really made a choice in anything was when. Like he was when Lancaster says you could stay. That's the mm-hmm. first time he really makes a choice in that whole movie. It's just like, oh, I guess I could or cannot, and he just doesn't. And he's like, no, I think in the next life. Um, so right, I, this is a story where Freddy is not in search of anything. There's no goal to obtain. There's yeah, um, and he I, I think want that's anything. that's worthy well, of something. And I think that's Doris. where, yeah, you of know? course, there's there's Doris, and I think that's that's why. A lot of folks were, maybe you remember this better than, than Clay and I do, but it's like, that could be the reason why many folks were frustrated in 2012. Oh, What's yeah, the film? No, I, I yeah. don't remember any of that. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was remember Argo the Argo re- Stan back then. Argo, go fuck yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Affleck, missed, Affleck had... missed out on Best Director. No! I had nothing for PTA at the, in 2012. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> I'll yeah. admit it every day. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, man. I th- I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think I, just, I lost a thought. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I, I just think um, with the with the movies that I love, like, like uh, I love, I love, when I love a movie, it's, you know, it's because, like, there, there are elements that I can point to, et cetera, et cetera. Great ending, great performances. But I, I also just think that an underrated way to look at movie is just like how many scenes are hitters. You know what I mean? Like how, hmm. many, like how many of these scenes do you just enjoy watching like on their own, you know? And the master, oh my God, it's just hitter after hitter. Like it's just yeah. like um, yeah. uh, the, the processing, which then leads into like the Doris stuff, like uh, uh, the opening on the beach. Uh, uh, every time there's paint thinner in a scene, like uh, the, the jail <laughs> thing that you were talking about, like, like it, it really is just like, like, yeah. one like endlessly compelling like piece of filmmaking like after another and and i can't believe it's yeah. only two hours and 17 minutes like Seriously. every time every time i fire this up i'm like this is a two and a half hour movie at least like this is yeah. gonna be here a while but it's not <laughs> he gets it all done and, and, and it's like 211 without credits yeah. like yeah, yeah. like how how is <laughs> i watch it and i still don't think it's as long as they say like I watched it, and I'm like, no, there isn't two hours and seventeen minutes of this movie. It's longer it's than like, Magnolia. Right, yeah, right, it, right. it like there's there's no way this is like two like it's, it feels when I watch it, I'm like okay, there was like an hour and forty worth of content in that. Like there wasn't like more. Like because it's like because the thing is, like you look at the plot, and like not a lot happens plot wise. It's just kind of like 
you know, they go to that, they go to the uh, Helen, like you know, they go to Philadelphia, they go to the house, they yeah. talk, they, they go to Arizona. There. Right. Yeah, it's like Somebody, it's nothing really weird, happens. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like there's no huge plot thing of like, holy shit, you know, this happened. Yeah. It's just kind of like one after the other, and it's I like too, it, my, it just doesn't feel. Yeah, I even love just minute details, little snippets of their time together, like Freddie taking those pictures of Lancaster Dodd yeah. and. Yeah. Like the, that gorgeous vista of the desert. Um, there's this moment that um, Elizabeth and Clark are getting married, and it's in uh, Lancaster. Dog goes goes around to everybody in in the wedding, and he's like, "Good day, good day, good day, good day." And I and I always remember like that. You don't know if he's genuinely excited for someone that you also don't know. If, Elizabeth is his, point, his yeah. kid, <laughs> but then you you realize that he has such a captivating. I mean, Jonah, you I'm sure you, you are well aware of this, but it just um, it goes to show Phil's like captivating presence and commitment to just about anything. Um, would you yeah. like to talk about? Sure, lost- sure. I mean, I feel like. Um... So I'm, I, for those who don't know, I'm doing this project. Uh, I'm almost done with it, actually, uh, where I watch every single Philip Seymour Hoffman movie and, and write a piece on it. Um, it's fantastic. And, oh, thank you. Yeah. That's far too kind. But it's, um, it's, it's, uh, in some ways, it it has become frustrating because he is so magnetic and he is so able. He was so able to. Um, uh, delve into a role and and add uh, depth and complexity and like personhood to to parts that were supporting parts to parts that were just uh, 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 you know just just in a couple of scenes. Yeah, and then talented Mister Ripley is the perfect example. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then Tommy, 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 like, Tommy, 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 Tommy. <laughs> you're asking yourself like, how did this director not put him in more of the movie? Because mm-hmm. Because he's doing the director's job and the writer's job for them, you know, yeah. he's yeah. he's turning these lines on the page into a real character, into a real person that you can that you can feel and you can understand. How how is that not taking up more more time in this? Um, and 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 watching this was such a watching the master was such a release because yeah. this is this is a this is a movie where the writer where the writer director knows how good Philip Seymour Hoffman is, oh, knows yeah. how much he can do and 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 meets him where he is and gives him a role that is that is needy enough for for him to really sink his teeth into but also yeah. like the movie doesn't fail him like that's like like that's that's the way i feel about a lot of the stuff that he was in like like the like there, like there are just some bad movies he's been in, like Doubt, like the the two thousand eight John Patrick Shanks. I kind of, I, I kind of like it. I don't, I don't, but... I don't think that's like a to- like a terrible movie, like in any way. But I don't feel like it's, um, like like he's an endlessly complex character, and then everyone else is just like a cardboard cutout. Like yeah, it's yeah. like like yeah. he's an ambi- he's a totally ambiguous, totally uncertain like thing in the frame, yeah. and then everyone else is just like one dimensional. And it's like <laughs> it's like yeah, come yeah, yeah. On, that's true. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah. That, that even Shanley's direction is a little stale in, in some parts. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, and yeah. like Deacons is like really pulling to make it not a yeah. play, but like <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's a that's a total that's a, that's a total tangent. But no, like, that's a good take though. Watching this was like. Uh, 
watching this was so great because it's like, yes, like Philip Seymour Hoffman at his fucking apex. Like yeah, he is totally, he is, he is in every scene. And, and, and I think with, with how often the camera is behind his shoulder, like he's not in the frame. We're just hearing his voice. There's that's to me, that's, that's PTA knowing that he can carry a scene. Knowing that voice. power, right. Knowing, knowing that, that, that he doesn't have to, to eat, to be on screen at all times, but how do you yeah. use that without taking him for granted? You know, how do you, how, how do you utilize him? Ugh, mm. Yeah, it just like it works so any, well. <laughs> any time that we get to spend this much time with him is just a blessing. Um, and of course, so many years after his passing, it, it rings so much more true. Uh, this is a, this is a collaboration that's spanned decades and four movies. They just have such a great working relationship at this point. Um, he has like I, I'm with you. I, I love him as an actor. I. I've sought out a few films that just so happen to be great, and he happens to also be in them to make mm. them even greater. His raw intensity is just rung so powerful in, in so many roles, and I think that his training and working at the craft in theater, of course, famously, he ran uh, True West with John C. Riley for many years, if I'm not mistaken. So I think, and that. Like kind of yeah, kind of like Pacino in the eighties, like labyrinth. Yeah, 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 yeah. And kind of like Pacino in the eighties, that that theatrical style of acting is carried over into film, and sometimes it it works, but um, better. But with with Phil, he just understands the material so well, even better than the writer, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that like I think he cared more about theater, like like yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, except for when he was working with PTA and yeah. um, uh, 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 God, the Capote, Bennett Miller. I think I ben think Miller. he really cared yeah. about. I, I think he really cared about the the, the projects that he did with those two guys. Yeah. Um, but I think in, and I, and I think that's the other reason why this is why this is so good is that he, yeah. And I, I know he, he works, showed up for this. You know, he looks at his 2007 fondly with uh, Savages and Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Like those and, are two uh, exceptional performances. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which which okay, yeah. movie is a little bit more eh, but like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's not the greatest swan song we've ever seen, you know. Jeez. Oh, um but what a year, like 2000. Yeah, seriously. Was. Yeah. So, and, and there's been many many people who have said I just look at the Hoffman scenes in Charlie Wilson's for. And they're it's the, n- the best Yeah, they're the best, right? <laughs> it's not even close you know? so, yeah like and there's some and there's so many like moving parts like the sorkin script and Nichols and mm-hmm. you know tom hanks and, or roberts but and that's sort of yeah. and again like like sort of not to not to beat a dead horse but it's like aaron sorkin doesn't like he writes characters but like they're like all the smartest guy in the room and they're all yeah. like, really fucking annoying yeah. you know but, they kind of cancel each other out and exactly yeah, yeah. but gus axivos or however you pronounce his last name i'm sure i'm butchering it but like that is a person like he's wearing a, he's got a bushy mustache yeah crazy glasses and but he that is a real human being bizarre haircut <laughs> yeah i could go on forever uh, seriously yeah yeah <laughs> Jack, the you you asked me earlier when when was the first time I saw Philip Seymour Hoffman? It took me a little bit, but I think it was probably Mission Impossible Three. Yeah, hell yeah, I, good movie. Sorry, I'm saying that too. I, I don't like Carlito's way. I like Mission Impossible Three. <laughs> <laughs> 
J.J. Abrams, De Palma. I was know. a big Argo fan back in the day. Like, you got all the worst <laughs> shit out of All my worst opinions are coming out. And it's like, the thing the thing about the worst opinions, like, you got them out so early, right? So it's, it's like, out of the system. Um, but, like, he, that performance itself is, like, incredible. Mm. I mean, everyone remembers I don't know where she is. Spe- I'm gonna find her. I'm gonna hurt her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, like, that, like, whole thing of just him... Like on the plane, Rin like cruises to the throne. It's all the rabbit's foot. I don't remember that movie that well. It's been a while since I've seen it. But the only, almost the only thing I remember is him is mm-hmm. Seymour Hoffman because he's, he's so in good in it. Three scenes, like he's in three scenes. He's not even the main bad guy. Like Billy yeah. Crudup, there's like Crudup, four double yeah. crosses, and that's supposed to be the character you're supposed to actually care about. It's like. Yeah. none of that works at all like it's all psh like yeah yeah you're right he is like he's in like that like the man like he's in that bathroom scene he's on that plane and then he's in the interrogation room and that's like really it magnolia reunion of course like on subject to people. yeah and also like i mean i mean it Him makes sense why like like even abrams was probably like oh yeah he's so good that's why like i mean i would be shocked if they if like the idea of having him shooting Tom Cruise's uh, wife in the very beginning of the movie wasn't because like I don't think that was in the script. I'm pretty sure they just saw that scene like wow PSH fucking kills it. Let's put it in the beginning of the movie just to like make like have everything be because it, like that's like that whole scene is basically it's one of it, it's like the blockbuster scene we always think is going to happen in mm-hmm. action movies but never does like. Okay, the like the bad guy's gonna actually kill the wife, yeah. like it, like it, like at the end, like this they're actually gonna go through with it. There's not gonna be this Deus Ex Machina. Of course, it's a Mission Impossible movie. There is, but it is that one scene where you just like you always you're always thinking like if this was reality, like the bad guy would definitely like kill yeah. like probably like the action star or their like significant other, and there wouldn't be this like last last minute heroics, but. PSH just like nails that scene so fucking well that I just I, I I have to think they were just like I guess we have to put this in the beginning of the movie yeah. to basically tell people this is this like get ready like this is it. And I love how this and that his decade isn't an entire bummer to an an end of a of a career gone too soon. Like he directs himself in Jacko's Boating. He's in Moneyball in a really terrific performance. <laughs> Ides of March. The Master of Lake Quartet, which I kind of, I don't mind. I uh, Lake Quartet, like it's. Have you seen Lake Quartet? I actually, that's like one of the three or four that I haven't watched yet. Like that's it's like, like it, it feels like a, a movie that is just has um, grandparents in mind yeah. while making it. Like, yeah. let alone when it comes out, it's it's truly like I, I feel like I, I will enjoy it immensely when I'm in my sixties. <laughs> Um, I watched. Of I forget what how, but I watched a trailer of that like when I popped in a DVD like a week, like a month ago or two ago, and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, yeah. this is a sleeper. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like you have like great performance in it, but yeah, it's very stagey. It's a little like I, I think it's like down in that way. He's in the Hunger Games, uh, a, a man, a most wanted man, in God's pocket. I mean, it's pretty short, obviously, and um, but it, I don't think he left us wanting more. I. I, I I mean, of course, I wanted to see him at the age where we see Jason Robards and Magnolia, right? But yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, it feels just so complete and just timeless. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to do this project if he hadn't left behind yeah. an enormous body of work yeah. and, 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 a, and a prolific body of work. Yeah. 
in a satisfying body of work. Like, yeah, I mean, totally. even it, it's like one of those things where I'm like, yes, he he passed way too fucking young, and I would have I would have died to see more of you know like yeah. twenty more years or ten more years of Hoffman. But it is like it is one though. Like when you watch all of his movies, like man, now that like it like solid like good like that like that like that whole run you know his entire career is like i feel satisfied i feel satisfying that like it, it's not like a heath ledger of course they died at very different ages like heath ledger died very young but it's like River one Phoenix. of those things you look yeah it's like oh man like they there was so much more and of course mm-hmm. there was much more for hoffman but it doesn't feel like you're missing you're completely missing his apex. You're missing his true potential. You got it. Everyone's just I, a bummer. You know, someone that's similar that um, left us around the same time is uh, Jim Gandolfini. And mm. of course, mm. like they are, you're right. Like they are, they have a few decades separated from River Phoenix and Heath Ledger, but to see them go decades on where they had so much left to do, mm. um, it stings real. I think it stings, but also simultaneously makes you so grateful for everything that we do have of them. Um, yeah. And nobody dislikes Gandolfini and Hoffman, I guess to bring them together again, it's just, they're so beloved performers. Yeah. Well, I think with Hoffman, I think that where he was going next was, I think he was actually, I think the way that he approached like, make, like being an artist was going to change or was in the process of changing in mm-hmm. some ways. Um, I think that like the toll that being in Mike Nichols's take on Mike, Mike Nichols's take on death of a salesman, I think that took an enormous toll on him. Like, like being like, like playing Arthur Miller. No, mm-hmm. wait, that's the playwright. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> play, play, um, yeah, I know. I know that. the, <laughs> Death, yeah. Um, playing the lead in Death of a Willie Willie Loman. Willie Loman. Excuse yes. me. <laughs> playing Willie Loman, I think, took an enormous toll on him. And and like like a few days before Hoffman passed, he was at the Sundance Film Festival at the 2014 Sundance Film Festival, and that's where A Most Wanted Man and God's Pocket both yeah. premiered. But also, he was. It was announced that he was going to be directing like another movie, like a movie yeah. after Jack Goes Boating, yeah. and. Like, like, what if, like, what if he had like taken a, a a step back from theater? You know, what if he had taken a step back from theater a few years earlier? You know, like, where, where, yeah. where would he have? What if he had taken more directing seriously? Yeah. And, yeah, gosh. What would he have? Yeah, would he have become a great a great director? I think it's yeah. totally possible. I yeah. think he could have become a just a really incredible director of acting. Seriously. Um, I, I I mean I also have no idea. <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe he would have given that up and gone back to, to gone back to the stage. I also don't think there's any world where he where he wasn't like stage acting regularly. Totally. There's no there's no stage that he doesn't get embraced in yeah. any asset of uh yeah. art. Yeah. And it's funny just to hear that he played William Loman so for so many years and to think about Significant New York how how that sort of oh, yeah. begins oh, yeah. <laughs> with um, the death of a salesman character being played by a younger man, and it's, it's like yep. it sort of turns it on its head. Yeah, that's interesting. And that was and that was the criticism that I think drove Hoffman like insane. Like <laughs> like 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 genu- like there was there's wow. all, there was all this noise about it, and like it's like people come on like it's Mike Nichols and Philip Seymour Hoffman and I think yeah. Andrew Garfield was in that production too like mm. they're gonna pull it off or at least it's gonna be interesting like don't yeah. get caught up on the age thing but there was so much noise around that and I think that for 
for Hoffman, like his whole thing was about breaking through that noise. And I think with with that production, like I don't think there 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 was just so much naysaying around it that I don't think he could entirely break through it. Because um, also, not everyone could go see a, a Broadway show. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a finite number of yeah. performances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Oh God! It's so maddening. It's so maddening. Yeah, seriously, yeah. seriously, and to, to think about the state of where theater is too. Um, oh, God. I know that Andrew Garfield was is slated in uh, Angels in America too, so it's like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Garfield was in that. Um, yeah. That 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 Nichols production of Death of the yeah. Salesman. Yeah. Not entirely sure. Yeah. Trying to think of what else I want to touch on in the master though. There's, yeah, like. Should Somebody... we touch the Scientology stuff? Oh <laughs> yes, that's yeah. That Speaking I was like, I knew we're missing something. You know? <laughs> yeah, of, of... <laughs> I think well it's... to to bring it back for for me because this I, I don't want to forget this that I remember um, making those connections when I saw this way too young, <laughs> like pretty independently. Like I, I knew, um, I remember in, in uh when we did Unfriended Dark Web and how I sort of talked about the dark web of the internet, sort of like a a door we never want to open. And it's this, like growing up in the age where I always knew what a computer was, it was the, the dark web was like the sacred thing that you don't come across and you shouldn't go even, even if you're like just goofing off and having fun. And I, and I think that Scientology works similarly that I know that even even at an early age that it's an organization filled with people that will manipulate and exploit. Um, but for what and who I wasn't completely sure. And I, I didn't know if I wanted to find out any more answers on top of that. And I, I don't know if I still do. I, I <laughs> it was, I, I think now I recognize Lancaster Dodd as, as someone, someone who can, mm like raise a, he, a showman, but still um, is, is like wary of, of the things that he still believes in himself. Like kind of like how we touched on that earlier. And because Paul Thomas Anderson has come forward and, and been like, we never really thought to draw the direct line between Lancaster Dodd and um, L. Ron Hubbard. Sure, it was, Paul. It was sure. <laughs> I I mean I just because like I wasn't going in with that mindset. I'm I'm more likely to subscribe to that. But it, that, I don't know. Like that's just where I'm coming from. Um, and they don't. It like Hasker isn't like glorified or something like that. So it's, no. Yeah. No. 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 I mean the thing is with. L. Ron Hubbard and the ilk. And I also and thought that God. with Lancaster Dodd, it's something to take a character that's fictional, but to pull from um, an actual person. Like, I, I didn't know you could do that. You know, you get, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it was like, it was you like, didn't what, know, yeah, it's kind of like it, another example of that is like Alex Ross Perry with her smell. Like, that's not exactly like a famous rock star. Uh, Becky something isn't a rock star from the 90s, but it's like they're pulled from different real life people that isn't one mm -hmm. direct person yeah um i understand paul being like it wasn't totally like it wasn't a one for one like this is a carbon copy of l ron hubbard uh, but you know it, it's it was 
it was just funny though because like uh, I was I had this conversation with someone the other day of like right like Molly's game was mentioned and I'm like Toby Maguire and this is gonna connect I swear yeah, yeah. um but Toby Maguire being um Michael Sarah's character in Molly's game is like one of the worst kept secrets in Hollywood. It's like, okay, everyone knows it's Toby Maguire. Yeah. Everyone on God's given earth knows that's him. And it, even though it's never been officially said at any point ever, that is Toby Maguire. That's who that is, yeah. And that's the kind of thing with, and, and I find it funny when, like, like Paul's like, no, this isn't, I didn't mean it to be completely like L. Ron Hubbard. It's, like, kind of like a, a, a it's a mix, it's a hybrid, but everyone is like, no, that's L. Ron Hubbard. No, no, dude, that's like L. Ron Hubbard. Um, but the funny thing is, though, like, the elk of, like, you know, the, the cult leader type, you know, uh, in popular culture and in reality, the funny thing is, they're pretty, like, stereotypical, even in reality. Even in reality, they all, like, st- like cult leaders share very key traits. It's not like there's... Of course, there's, like, certain, like, different cult leaders that have, that have focus on different aspects of their cult or whatever. But, like, mm-hmm. they all have, like, super, like, they're all, they all have very, like, connected, unanimous traits to become a cult leader in the first place. So, it's, mm. so I, I get, like, how the thing is, it's, it was always going to be, it, it was always going to be compared to someone. It was always going to be compared to a Manson uh, all L. Ron Hubbard, uh, whatever, like whatever cult leaders, like uh, Joan, um, or uh, what's it, Jones? Uh, yeah, whatever. Like, but like, it, it was always going to be all that one person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was always going to be like, oh, they're like this person. It was all that was always going to happen, but it's L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> like you know, at the end of the day, it's L. Ron Hubbard. I totally agree. I just don't think it. It doesn't play into the meaning that I get out of the film much no. in one way or another. No. And no. I, I don't know if you guys disagree with that. Like No, I agree. I agree with you. For for me, like like Scientology could not exist and like I would still like like and I think yeah. I'll be better off if it didn't, you know? But, yeah. Like, <laughs> like um like like Lancaster Dodd would still be a fully formed like character. Oh yeah. You, you don't know? need and, to know who L. Ron Hubbard is to like be like this was a character. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like look, I I don't I don't know a ton about this, but I I feel like that was a big like discourse when this movie first came out. Like, oh, it's the Scientology movie. This is about Scientology, and I don't I don't think the master is about Scientology. Like, I no, I, not really. I, I think that like um, I think it's about psychology, and I think that like, Scientology fucks with people's psychology. But like, yeah, <laughs> but but yeah. but to to mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and maybe and look maybe that's. I don't know. I think I think with with Paul Thomas Anderson, I I very regularly feel like um, I'm at like a five star restaurant, you know, and there's <laughs> there are all these layers of a hundred percent, yeah. And my palate like is not. I'm not a food critic, you know. Like like I'm yeah. just like I'm just eating this steak as fast as I can, and I'm like, man, that's good steak. And I'm sure that like <laughs> so and maybe that's me missing something, you know. But but yeah, <laughs> to connect it back to our runtime thing. The steak got here in less time than we were expecting, right? So not only was it delicious, but it was it just didn't. Take oh, twenty minutes, an hour Holy and a shit. half, right? Okay. Exactly, exactly. And um, I never need to eat again. I'll never right. eat a meal. Yeah. This but like, do I understand all the different flavors that are in there? Like every right, ingredient, right. every chip? what was every no. spice this was rubbed with? Um, <laughs> not even close. Like, <laughs> I think P.T. Yeah. Anderson deals a lot with religion. Like, I mean, I mean. Um, 
there we bled incredibly mm. explicitly and mm. here it's it's again explicit I mean, and I well apparently that. just want to point this out real quick i just learned this apparently like he used like very early scripts to kind of help write this movie of there will be blood so like like really early mm. scripts that he not use for there will be blood sense. he incorporated into this movie yeah funny oh, enough i didn't yeah. know that i think yeah and is yeah yeah that's that makes a lot of sense um because you can absolutely draw connections between daniel daniel playing your character and Lancaster Dodd, that just such showmans and um, compelling uh, character, like like such gravitas. But I, yeah. I just love using I also, that word. I also think um, uh, Peggy and Lancaster have a lot of Alma and um, uh, Reynolds. Uh, Reynolds, yeah. yeah. I think I think. Oh, for Reynolds. sure. That that's yeah. like. Uh, uh, that if he were to have focused on their dynamic and that was the movie, it wouldn't have just literally been Phantom Thread, but it would have been some mirror of it, you know? I wouldn't even be surprised if uh, he took early scripts from this and adopted it into Phantom Thread. Mm. Right? If you want to take that mm. step further. I mean, yeah, because, like, like uh, Reynolds and Alma, like, that's, like, well, who's the fucking, like, who's the who's the alpha in that relationship? Right. Who? Like, and, and like I mean, like, it's oh. just, it... <laughs> The power dynamics are so fucking like it's just in flux throughout that entire movie, and I feel like that whole that whole movie's just be like, who's like who wants to be the alpha? Like you know, like it's all this like you know just yeah. this con this this weird exploration of like who wants to be in control, and this I mean and like in the master it's like. Yes, he is called the master, so he probably has the he probably has more on the power and authority side of the relationship. But like, she does like step mm-hmm. like she steps in and says, "No, no, no, we're not doing that." Yeah, like and it's and she's immediate totally in control, like of, yeah. of, of, of Dodd in a lot of ways. A hundred percent. I mean, and like her just like giving him a hand job to just get what she wants is like total like power move, right? And I, I yeah, 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 yeah. God, that that scene is just incredible. I love I, I love immediately following um, the the interaction with John Moore, and you mm-hmm. follow them into like a I think it's like a, a one room off to the side, and Lancaster Dodd is like, "We do not behave like like monkeys. We we are below that." And I think because he meant he says that line so clearly. You're above that, right? We're we're above that, yeah. Um, it's 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 like standards for the way that he wants to believe the people in the cause behave, and then how Freddy is just constructed as as and as an individual, and and then what we spend the rest of the course of the movie trying to improve upon. Well, going back to that scene that you were talking about. Um... Your dad walked in on um, <laughs> where uh, uh, Dot is singing the song, and we go into Freddie's perspective. And it's just thinking about, it, I'm getting embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Papa, but do you I... want me to clean the bedroom? What, what should I do now? <laughs> but I feel like, um, like, yeah, that's that's all Freddie's perspective, like, like totally. But I think that isn't Dodd's isn't the song that Dodd's singing about like like cheating on his wife or, mm. or, or, or yeah, you know, something like adulterous behavior. And, and she, 
she, we see that the 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 following scene with, where where Amy Adams sort of takes control back because it seems like Dodd is sort of starting to con- consider or entertain the idea of cheating on Peggy, you know, and mm. and so. So as much as yeah. yes, we're totally in Freddie's perspective in that scene where we're seeing them all as when we're seeing them all naked. But I think there's a little like Dodd's doing that a little bit too. Like they're sort of on the oh for they're, sure they're sort of on the same page there, and that's yeah, and that's why PTA is able to take that like crazy leap, you know, because <laughs> it's the only time I feel like it's one of the only times we're really in Freddie's head like the yeah. entire movie. It's like a reminder almost like none of this is working. Like it's yeah. not going to work. Um, even Peggy <laughs> and Freddie are on the same page. They share a look at some point in that moment, right? Like, like I think that's even a confirmation of Peggy, where it's where it's like this person that has come to our life. We didn't go to his life. Mm-hmm. This person has has yet to prove worthy. Mm. I really think this was ahead of its time too oh yeah i don't think folks are ready for that like it's like that um, back to the future meme like your kids are gonna love this <laughs> in 2012 we were not prepared um and, and it's like it only scored oscar nominations because i think uh um there will be blood and later on it's it's just like and, and excluding inherent vice like i think safe paul thomas anderson is a seat at, at the academy awards is sort of the energy that I'm getting here because it, it was mixed, but even then it didn't prove to be a fault. Cause I, I mean, at the time, Annapurna was, um, pretty successful at Oscar campaigning. Um, well, I definitely who, saw it. who beat, um, Philip. It yeah, was Christoph Waltz and Django Unchained. Yeah, I know. And, and, <sighs> and well, I mean, I mentioned this on the Argo episode, but this was the year that everyone in supporting actor already had an Oscar. So whoever was going to win um, was going to have a, a second Oscar, which is already like a really fun fact about the 2013 Oscars. And like Joaquin got in, Phil Joaquin, Amy Adams got in. And yeah. this, um, I, I believe I missed out on. on uh, it's so picture, obviously. Which really sucks. It's, ob- it's so obvious that Phil should have won. Out of these oh, five yeah. nominees, yeah. Waltz, Waltz it's Bango, wait, 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 can Arjun. I, can I, can I, oh, I want to, I want to right. see if I remember it. Um, right. Rob De Niro and Silver Lines Playbook. Yes. Alan Arkin and, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, the fifth one, uh, who could have gotten a second Oscar. Um, okay. Um, going to give you a five oh, seconds, five, mm, yeah. four, three. Can I repeat to... the question? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tom, Tom, uh, Tommy Lee Jones for Lincoln. Oh, Lincoln. Yes, 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 yes. Whoa. Um, That's right. But those... I knew it. Of those I knew fi- it. I like I Waltz used and Django. <laughs> I like Waltz and Django, but no way he should have won. That's for... And, like, these, and all, and these five nominees in general, like, De Niro and Arkin nominations kind of suck. So it's like... Ugh. Uh, bummer. Well... I'm pretty against this lingo, like, in general, but I did see a tweet once that was like, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is totally incapable of making anything that normies like, and I <laughs> just feel like that's kind of, like, true, like... Yeah, I, think, I see, yeah. I think, I think, like, he'll always have a seat at the Oscars, but, like, I don't know that he could... I genuinely don't know that he could ever make something that is, like, 
simple or like happy enough that like the academy would ever like actually like reward him for it you know mm-hmm. like like uh, what's his I, I i i can't even think like what is his like what is his simplest movie what is the movie where there's the going on like probably but there's like 12 different like <laughs> very interesting characters in that you know no it's true but that's the one that i think i hear the most of like people saying like what's i guess like what's the most entertaining like you know, totally, four yeah. quadrant Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Like, yeah, yeah. But that's, yeah. that's about it. I, I think, it, yeah, in terms of accessibility, I, I think I'll agree it's Boogie Nights, but I, I think the most comprehensible and sort of like a sigh of relief after Magnolia, you can't disregard Punch Drunk Love's overall mellow yeah. sort of energy it has. And it's, it's, it's it comes down to um, that movie believes that the meaning to life is love, and it's sort of that's something of an ending that people can can rally behind. It, it I would like to hope so. <laughs> and, totally, I just think that like casting Sandler in that role was like, yeah. Ne- no one was ever going to take it seriously. Like like, and they totally should. You know, like <laughs> no, they should. It's totally but yeah. ridiculous that people don't take it seriously. But yeah, that's my. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Have you guys seen The Sweet Smell of Success, the 1957 movie? It's a great movie, yeah. I feel like that is the only thing that's hit a similar box for me as The Master. Like that, hmm. um, like, like... Alexander like, McKendrick, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. power yeah. dynamics. Burt like Lancaster, people, right? Yeah, uh, people yeah, yeah. as dogs, you know? Like, that is... Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the it's only a movie thing that, that comes close. <laughs> it's a movie that, like, every line is just sort of like a soliloquy you know <laughs> it's it's an in insane same, script yeah. in kind of the same way that the master that 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 these characters are constantly monologuing in the master i, f- I feel like yeah yeah and, and i love the households of my rudolph and paul thomas anderson they've described they described their television setup as turner classic movies is like constantly on and to have that doesn't this guy look like jesse clemens me- <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I, I guess so. And he's in Sweet Smell of Success. Yeah, that's true. I think eating up that much content on a on a basis, sort of, you absorb. I think you absorb that maybe unconsciously to maybe for us to, if we want to psychoanalyze <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson even more, it's it's like he's absorbing things that he maybe doesn't even realize he he is. Um. All right. We uh. Well, we should probably let. Jonah, go soon. So let's let's oh, yeah? go to favorite scene. Oh my gosh! Wait, no, this is. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I know, stay I know. Here even more. Oh, I know. I don't want. I don't want. I, I don't want. Is there anything? I, we, <laughs> I mean, not to be like grasping at straws. I don't want to come off that way. But is there legitimately? Is there anything that we did not touch on that we want to? I mean, it, I don't know if we're ever going to touch on anything with a film this dense. But that's I true. Mean, I think. Yeah. We, I think we, we ate got the steak, most of it. You know, like we. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah it was yeah. delicious. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Hopefully I we feel get to go satisfied. Right. You know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I just yeah, I'm I mean just to maybe repeat ourselves, but I don't think I'll ever fully comprehend that and I'm okay. I I can okay. live with someone being above me and and knowing that there's someone else out there in the world that is so sophisticated that they can create a piece of art like this. Um, it's really cool just to see one part. I mean, 
for every movie that he's done, he's never collaborated with anybody else. He hasn't like sent out a script to another filmmaker to adapt. Like every movie is just written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. That's such a deadly combo that we don't see very often other than like Ryan Johnson, you know, it's, it's just rare. Um, and he hasn't made a bad movie, which is a crazy thing. And he never will, right? Like, that's just... I mean, people could say Inherent Vice, and but, like, it's not... I don't know. But, like, even then, that's more of, like, a movie where it's, like, it's not for okay, me. Okay, well, for those people, like can we shit. exile them? Is there any... No, 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 no. They, they have a seat at the table. We should ask you this. Yeah. Without a doubt. Like, without a doubt. And, like, that, that feeling of, like, you're just in good hands. Yeah. Like, that's totally... It's totally what it boils down to. It's just yeah. a wonderful, endlessly rewatchable movie. Surprisingly rewatchable. When I like thinking about this movie since 2015, and I hear people like, "Oh yeah, I watch it every year." I'm like, "You watch The Master every year?" <laughs> no, I know, but like now, what? But I watched it this time, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, no, this is insanely rewatchable." For right. some reason, I assumed it was this like really depressing and downtrodden movie, and then. Like, just thinking about it, you know, like, six years ago or whatever, since the first time I saw it and last time I saw it. But watching it this time, I'm like, oh, you know, I could definitely rewatch this movie for sure. It's at least super, you remember like, your engaging. first, at least you remember your first viewing better than Gone Girl. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, that's true. funny. But I, I you remember, you know, when you guys, you and you and Michael Snydell, like, forced me to rank PTA? Oh, no. Like, a gunpoint. We did do like, that. that was, yeah. Just say, you could just say if it's your favorite or not. You don't need to rank it. <laughs> well, we're doing it again. No. Um, no, no. I, yeah, I genuinely don't know um, okay. if it is. That's and I, That's a good answer. I, for now, I'll say yes, because honestly, it's the most recent one I've seen. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with Jonah's answer. It's just the complete package. And I love it. Yeah, he definitely doesn't have a number number one with a bullet for me. Like it changes yeah. on my list all yeah. the time. Like it's like now, right now, it, right now, like Phantom Thread is my favorite. But then, yeah. like sometimes it's Magnolia, sometimes it's yeah. uh, There will be blood. So I don't know. I need to rewatch all of his work because it's just you mentioned been too long. on Inherent Vice that if you go back to see Magnolia, you think it'd be your favorite because of the obvious reasons. Yeah, and I think that that's very true. And and I, and like the most recent one I see is probably going to take the number one slot. I saw mm-hmm. a tweet recently that was like, um, any, any guy for like what any guy puts as their top three PTA says a lot about them. Right. Right. I think that's very funny. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jonah. All right. Kozlowski, favorite thank you so scene much for being here. Oh, oh Jesus. No, yeah. Thank you guys. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot favorite scene. Yeah, I know. Favorite, I know. No, I'm going I ahead of ourselves. It's hitter after hitter, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. like I was saying before, but I, I really think um, the last scene where, where, where Dodd sings to him, like, uh, uh, the slow boat to China, like, yeah. I don't know, um, I don't want to get too personal here, but, like, there have definitely been times in my life where I've felt like a person was leaving my life the way that, that Freddie is leaving uh, uh, Dodd's life. And you just want to appeal to them. You know, you want to do the biggest possible thing to make them to make them not leave your life, you know? Yeah. And and I think it's such a perfect expression of of the intensity of that emotion. Uh Kyle Kyle Turner, who I, I think has maybe been on your, your guys's um pod before, I don't know. Oh, I would love to have Kyle Turner on here. But yeah. Sadly he, he hasn't. Wrote... <laughs> <laughs> oh. He wrote a piece about um, uh, uh, 
he wrote a piece about the friendship breakups in uh, Noel Baumbach and Greta Gerwig's work. Um, and he, one of the things he wrote in there is that like uh, uh, friendship breakups are boring. Like when a friend leaves your life, like, like it really means something to you, but it doesn't mean something to anyone else. And I think that that last scene of the master is the perfect rebuttal to that. Like, like, <laughs> like this is a friendship breaking up, but it does not feel boring in any right. way. Like, yeah. like it is, it is expressed in a way that is as compelling as it is. So, cause it feels so important. It yeah. feels so foundational to those, to uh! those two people. Yeah. <laughs> I think really it goes along to what we were saying about who needs who more in a relationship. And I think regardless of the answer to that, wherever you may fall, this is a moment in both of their lives that will be carried with each other for forever. And, uh, there's a, an extraordinary amount of weight that uh, P.T. Anderson gives to that. Yeah. I mean, I that would... scene is so good. Like, I like the delivery of, like, the whole turn of that. Not oh, not necessarily the whole turn of that scene, but, like, a moment in that scene where we it don't really kind of guts pictures, me. We don't need pictures, Freddy. <laughs> the, what the scene guts me is, like, basically, you know, Freddy's trying to, like, lend him, like, lend him, like, you know, lend a, lend a branch and just say, well, maybe in the next life. And Todd almost, or Dodd almost immediately says, if I see you in the next life, we will be sworn enemies and I will show you no mercy. It's like the most, like, ruthless thing you could say to someone. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it's, like, heartbreaking. Right. Just, like, he's just saying, no, fuck you. Like, next time I see you, I will murder you. Like, I, like it, it, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and I think that when we mention Scientology, something that they actually do is um, hand out billion-year contracts and it goes to what Peggy says about this is something that you do for no time or a billion years. Um, that they, they want you to be in or out. You can't just keep um, mm -hmm. leaving and coming back like like this is... But sworn a, enemies. Like it's, like oh. it's a job. Right, yeah. So Sworn um, enemies. Just heartbreaking. Yeah. Wonderful scene, yeah. What's your favorite scene, Jack? I think I might cheat with this one. <laughs> I gotta go with um, right after they get back from prison and it's the cross-cutting between Freddy Quill going back and forth to reach those two ends of the room at Helen's mm -hmm. estate. That whole sequence. Uh, his intimate conversations with, uh, with Peggy and Clark and Freddy having exchange of words with uh, Lancaster John as the moderator. It's just extraordinary. I, I love everything that they're, all the exercises, the variety of exercises, psychology, uh, psychological toll that he's taken, even though they're just mundane. He's, he's like, nothing is, they're just throwing him around like a rag doll, really. And it's, and it's just nothing is being recharged. Um, and I love, love that piece of music that Johnny Greenwood plays, Application 45, Volume 1 or something. Version 1, I think. And it's, it's like so, so addictive. My favorite scene. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with us not just saying, "Oh, it's the processing scene." Cause that would have been the very easy answer. Yeah, um, it would have been easy, even easier for me because I forgot to mention that I actually wrote about that scene in, in uh, a course, a few courses ago. Um, that we had to dope. pick a scene from a from a film, and 
sort of. You should like, publish I, that I, on your medium. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. I don't know if I still have yeah. it, but if I do, then I might. We have to pick a shot um, for mini film and then like write about what happens before or after that's significant. And I sort of jotted down some thoughts and um, notes about that whole exchange. And then, because the, the shot I chose was when they take that whiff of the alcohol and cigarettes and um, they all have that XL smoke. Oh, yeah, gosh, just, I know what you're talking about. It's just so cool. Yeah. flavor. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> cools. Um, my favorite yeah. scene is probably the, the the meltdown in the prison because I think mm. it shows, like we talk, talked about earlier, that's where all of the artifice comes off. And that's where, like, you see Lancaster be his most animated, his most raw, and his most, most, like, truthful of, like, I'm the only one who likes you. And he is his most, like, he's also on, like, his back heel in the sense of he's trying to defend himself because this is the first time that Freddy's questioned him and he's questioning mm-hmm. him so aggressively. Um, I also think Joaquin in that scene is so, I mean, I, him, like his physical acting in this movie, just his mannerisms and his body language is incredible. I mean, he's, he's kind of the master at that. Just the idea of how he, like just the way he carries himself as a character and how he, like his physicality, Mm. in his acting um it's in that the way he just he's all like soup you just see you can tell how anxious he is just by all the little twitches you know him freaking out him busting that toilet and just all the way like in him like trying to like wonderful use of silence in that scene too yeah he keeps like resting his head on the top bunk for some reason and not really (laughs) doing anything he just does that sometimes just to like get to like calm down yeah. and then like he gets animated again it's like there's just a lot going on it's and it's also it's just it feels like the most raw scene of the yeah. movie maybe there um, was i, I believe yeah. if i'm not mistaken without looking at it i think this was the movie right after i'm not here and to think oh, this is what we get directly <laughs> after that project See, i was just kind complimenting of the guy too. well <laughs> i i think that just shows what kind of tricks he had yeah after a stunt like this that um i can do something that i haven't shown anyone before um even if i'm a bit of a bit of a caricature of myself you're right it's the it's the next project after i'm still here you're completely right oh i said i'm not here that's the other yeah I think that um, that makes me yeah. feel so good because I I uh, like I hate Joker so much and like to a welcome to the club like some yeah. of <laughs> some of Felix you're on the right show like, okay good allure has been like uh, yeah uh, lost because like of how into that he was and how yeah he got for it but knowing that he bounced back from from uh, I'm not here to this like makes you feel like yeah you know maybe yeah. i'll and he has a movie coming out with mike mills this year and i think that'll just show like a completely oh, other side right. of, not um, gonna be joker that's gonna be a different movie <laughs> exactly exactly you're right yeah um, mike mills is not making joker 2 what's <laughs> like a, i oh think we gosh. can say that like no, that's unfortunately yeah. todd phillips is so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay god. oh my gosh i remember though like in that when any like just mention this real quick then we'll wrap up that the moment like he was announced for Joker, I always like I 
I had the scene of him freaking out, not freaking out, but like bothering that dude at the photography place, him like mm. bringing up, yeah, yeah. like that's like the moment, that's the scene I'm like, oh, he could be good at this. I'm like, trying maybe to get the lighting like, right. Yeah, like before, I I don't even know if I knew Todd Phillips was making that at the time, but just the moment I heard jo- uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, I'm just like, oh, that's the scene that would, mm. like, if he nailed this, that would definitely, that it, it, I could be like, oh, it's in his armory it's his in his utility belt so to speak of like he mm. could pull this role off but then yeah that movie turned into what that movie is and it's right. like it just turned into yeah. greatest hits yeah. yeah and then it just turned into whatever fucking yeah. bullshit um we're all clowns we are a, ha 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 we live in a society um <laughs> jonah thank you so much for coming on thank you guys like yeah. this was a pleasure this is the best way i could possibly yeah. spend my afternoon of course yeah. awesome thank you thank you oh uh, where can everyone find you on the internet uh well uh you can find psh i love you at uh the spool that is the weekly column it's almost done and i yeah. what do you have left about. uh so i've got like three more early movies, uh, a late quartet and a most, a most wanted man. And then nice. all of his, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson stuff. Sweet. That's Are you saying, did you purposely save that for last? Yeah. That's all sweet. Saved for awesome. Last. Yeah. I so really <laughs> want to see owning Mahoney. Have you done it? How is that? I have done owning Mahoney. It's well, first of all, it's very hard to come by. And really? second of all, I think that's another example of the movie failing him to a certain wow, extent. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, uh, he, his performance is very controlled, and the film chooses to yeah. be as controlled. As Mini drivers the his partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Completely right. underwritten, and there's there's nothing to believe in in it. Is yeah. the problem? Uh, Interesting, because yeah. <laughs> I remember Ebert like one of the first Ebert Ebert loved it. One of the first clips I ever seen of Ebert was him and um, um, putting together his top of top ten in two thousand and four. If you want to leave us a Philip Seymour Hoffman recommendation that isn't widely uh, praised or hasn't gone its due, what would you say? Ooh, that's putting me on the spot there. Yeah, that's that's, that's true. I should have prompted you this days ago, honestly. <laughs> um, I I um I think that he's pretty phenomenal in the twenty fifth hour. Yeah. Um, I I don't know I don't know how uh, that that's one that comes to mind. Tragic character. Tell- Yes, course, yeah. yes. And talented Mr. Ripley as well. Like, yeah. those are kind of... Uh, Freddy. Stuck yes. in my brain. Freddy and the... <laughs> Mr. Ripley. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. realize that. <laughs> I love that, I love that character in uh, Mr. Ripley, too, where he's just, like, shouting at you a lot, like, Mochigatko! Upoleve! <laughs> he's just, like, just a nonsense. machine of snobbery. Yeah. Oh like, my he's, gosh, like, yeah. like, I've never seen anyone play, like, uh, a rich asshole like that. Hey, like, he's, it's Tommy, perfect. Like, how's the peeping? How's the peeping, Tommy? Oh, it's a masterpiece. Um, yeah, so... Where can everyone find you on Twitter? Right. Yeah. Oh, sorry, and I'm on Twitter at Kozlovsky Speaks. You know, the, the posts are all there. <laughs> Get in my mentions. Awesome. Yeah, 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 you got it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can be found on Twitter at Jack A. Draper. Um, my writing can be found at my personal medium, occasionally, uh, Simple Cinephile and Cineflix Daily. Um, this movie is available still on Netflix, like it has been for quite some time. Like, similarly to how we spoke about The Invitation, like, I think Netflix has sort of breathed a second life into it. Mm-hmm. I've noticed it's also available on Showtime if you 
have Showtime access. You can also double feature this with Anna Karenina. Check out both her episodes. Uh, next week, we have Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan with uh, Lucy Buglass uh, staying in the early half of the decade. Yeah. Um, We're getting existential in this shit. Is it existential? Um, I think it's just more. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Whoa! I haven't seen it. I didn't know that. Wow, that's good. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be a good one. I, I, yeah. I, yes, I think it's going to be good. I'm excited. I think closing it, I'll bring it to you to close it out. Perfect. Uh, everyone can follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter and on Letterboxd. You can follow me on Instagram at Mr. Clay Williams. You can follow the podcast Twitter account at ETTpod. Uh, you can send us an email at exiting through the 2010s at gmail.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube page at exiting through the 2010s. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, uh, give us a five-star review on any podcast platform you listen us on to. We'd be greatly appreciated. By the uh, way, share us, ret- oh, tweet oh, at us if you want us to make a TikTok. Putting it out there into the ether. I'll do it right now. I'll be- <laughs> Jonah, do you want to be a saint deal. and get us God. on your For You page now? Wow. I've been, I've right. been considering that. For a long, for this a is a joke I'm not project. even on TikTok, like I, 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 but I want you guys to like. This, thank you, thank you, wow. man. I was okay. This was a fast one pulled on me. I don't know how I feel about it. No, no, this no. was like a spur of the moment thing. I, I didn't mean to run out. No, no, you're fine. No, I'm actually now, man. All right, we'll talk. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, thank you all so much for listening. Remember, uh, stay inside, stay safe, wear a mask, get vaccinated, do what you got to do, be good to yourself. Uh, and as always, trans rights or human rights, stop Asian hate, free Palestine, Black Lives Matter, and we'll catch you all next time on Exiting Through 2010s.